The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Wow, we made it through another week, and so far, so good. We are now officially on Stitcher, so if that's a platform you enjoy or prefer, search for us on Stitcher.com or using the Stitcher app. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I did mention things were going well so far, and I was about to say we've had no behind-the-scenes casualties, but it looks like we'll have to reset that sign back to there have been zero days since our last accident. The good news is that I am pirate enough to admit my mistake, or, well, maybe I'll say captain enough to blame one of our swabbies for leading me astray. That's Cap'n, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Caught you off guard again. (laughs) Exactly. You know, like I said, she's a swabby, and she's probably the one who led me astray. But the real swabby I'm talking about is now resting in Davy Jones's locker, thanks to a Walk the Plank episode and a cutlass in the back. But essentially, this is just a long-winded correction from Minute 10 when we were talking pirate punishments and warnings. I repeatedly said gibbet when the correct pronunciation apparently is gibbet. So a thanks to Adam Liebreich Johnson for gently correcting our course. Hopefully I didn't mispronounce his name as this would be truly ironic if I did that. Anyways, he's our official pirate consultant of the week, so cheers and thanks, matey. On to minute 12, you scallywags. In the previous minute, our pirate, Mr. Smith, lands in Port Royal and immediately bribes the local official to avoid registering his name on the bill of entry. Meanwhile, Norrington's extravagant promotion ceremony is underway, complete with music, military drills, and bystanders hoping to avoid the heat. Minute 12 begins with a landscape view of Port Royal. Fort Charles is situated on a bluff overlooking a docked naval vessel and all the typical happenings one would find in an 18th century harbor. You know what I'm talking about. Men rowing boats and walking on a beach. As it pans to the left, we see our pirate, finger quotes Mr. Smith, observing a dock. The minute ends with Mr. Smith trying to access a civilian restricted dock that is currently mooring a naval vessel. Two red-coated British Royal Marines impede his passage. In this minute, we get to see some new characters, some cheeky characters, and some old characters we haven't seen for eight years. Wow. (laughs) So that's an interesting minute. So where do we start then? Should we just start kind of down the line then? Let's start in the beginning. Okay, I got Port Royal where we have this great inland shot of Fort Charles and part of the harbor. But as we were talking yesterday and as we heard yesterday... The fort was filmed on a three-acre Southern California location that was once home to Marineland. So sorry to burst everyone's bubbles out there, but it was not actually overlooking the spot in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. It was overlooking the Pacific Ocean, though. That's true. Yes. So I didn't really have much for this particular scene. There's a lot of just detail. Again, I know the movie is pretty good on the background stuff that's happening. There's some men rowing a boat. There's Actually, that's one thing I did want to talk about is the men rowing the boat. And this will come up at the end of the minute. When we see our pirate, Mr. Smith, trying to get onto the dock that's restricted. But you'll see more men rowing in the background. We also saw men rowing in the background 
when he arrived at Port Royal oh, and stepped yeah. off the dock. So I can just imagine this whole scene taking place that day. And maybe these are some actors, and I'm hopefully that they're not. Maybe they're just people from the set. But they're all excited to show up, and they're going to be have their part in the movie. And basically, they're getting dressed. Kind of like having the clothes that are not as detailed because you're not close up on camera. So it's just semi-detailed. It's like the version of a prop. You have the prop, and then you have the hero prop. And the hero prop is the one that's really detailed and the one you want. So you know you're going to get some close-up scenes. It has all the details or maybe some writing and all these cool uh, really nice things that are going to show up on film really well and really sell the scene. But they show up and they get the regular prop clothing, you know, so they know, okay, we're not going to be up close, but they're still thinking, yeah, we're going to be in the movie. Then they get the assignment that we need you to row around this harbor for a while. (laughs) Then they do it and then they're like, wow, you guys did such a great job. We're going to need you to do that again. And for the next scene, by the way. So they're out there all day rowing around, just back and forth, back and forth, you know? And each time they're probably, I don't know if they're bringing them back. It's like, hey, you guys, come back. You know, we got to redo the take. So I can just imagine that Johnny Depp or some of the actors seeing these guys would say, you know, we should do one more take just just to irritate these guys that are out there rowing all day long. That, that's what I was wondering. What, what was really going on with these guys? Were they actors or were they just people on the set that they're like, hey, do you want to be in the movie and then give them an assignment to row row the boats well you did say they employed a bunch of people in the in the town there that's true you know maybe it's one of them and that's what they do all day anyway that's possible (laughs) they're like what you're gonna pay us to to row boats sure and then they get to be in the movie that's pretty cool exactly and and like you said they're in a movie (laughs) i would do it i'm right there yeah i would do it too (laughs) you can't see my face but i'm right there (laughs) i would definitely do it then you could always end up framing it. You know, you could get a screenshot of yourself and having that. And you go, that that was me. <laughs> so I guess it's not a bad deal. It's but, not so bad. You know, it, it, and maybe you could say that you were in the movie. So that's that's not all too bad. But, you yeah. know, if you're really expecting to be in that big scene. Yeah, if you think you're actually going to be front and center and yeah. But I think there's some a saying about that. There are no small roles or anything like that. So I'm not an actor, so I, I wouldn't know. But so more power to him. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. But I just <laughs> thought it was funny that there was a lot of rowing going on behind the scenes and in these background shots. And so I thought, man, those poor people out there in the sun. It's you know really hot. We already know Elizabeth is about to keel over because of the sun, and they got these guys rowing around out there. Yeah. But at least if there's between takes, they could maybe. Well, I guess they couldn't even jump in the water because then it would wet their clothes and then they're yep. sitting out on the boats. So I didn't really have much, but, you know, on that front kind of that first scene, did you? In the first scene, we do see our pirate, Mr. Smith, as we're calling him. <laughs> He's kind of looking at this Navy ship. That's right. And he is suspiciously watching it and kind of looking around to see who's there and kind of wondering, okay, what's he up to? He's We know he's a little sneaky. So we're wondering at this point in time, what is Mr. Smith, our pirate, up to? Exactly. So he is up to something for sure. And I think he has been up to something since he he rolled into the yeah, dock yeah. or to the harbor here. He wasn't concerned about his dory sinking. So I think that there has been something else that's on his mind that he is trying to achieve. Right. All right. And then we go into the fort where we get to see our now white-haired. There you go, Scott. We got his wig going down now. Our white-haired Norrington. <laughs> exactly. I actually had that in my notes, too, that we finally get an answer to the question that we've all been searching for, and that he has his wig. And it is white, not gray. 
exploit this time. Exactly. I, I actually had that listed in my notes as the biggest question of the day is answered. <laughs> so that leads you to see where my priorities were is to see that he now is sporting this white wig, a symbol of being a true gentleman. Yes, yes. And he's all dressed, he's all decked out in his brocade clothing. Wow. Pulled yes. that one out, didn't yes. you? Yes, yes. You just knew that from being around, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I actually style the brocade quite often. You're actually wearing one in the studio here. Yeah, I do. Every day. See? Well. I got some brocade on every single day. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> in the It's cosplay. DVD. Yes. Pirates of the Caribbean cosplay <laughs> going on here. On our DVD and the special features, we have Kira Knightley and Jack Davenport talking at this point in time, and he's mentioning about all his brocade that he's wearing, wow. and somebody shouldn't be allowed to wear this much brocade. <laughs> well, I think he's probably onto something there. And so, is that just the, is that mean the coat and the and all the clothing? Is that what? Yeah, that is? there was an awful lot on this outfit he's wearing in this scene. Is it the actual clothing itself, or is it all the details on the clothing? It's all the details on the jacket. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. It's, it's quite a bit. It's like multiple lines of layers of it I going see. on. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to say, if we're talking about clothing, no one should be wearing that much clothing well, out there in the yeah, heat as we that, talked about yesterday. Yeah. It's a lot of clothing. Yeah. So we circle back to Norrington's promotion to Commodore ceremony here. And then we have all the British Royal Marines that are on full display here. Yes. And by the way, actually, the first official unit of English Naval Infantry, originally called the Duke of York and Albany's Maritime Regiment of Foot, soon became known as the Admiral's Regiment, and it was formed on October 28, 1664, with an initial strength of 1,200 infantrymen that were recruited from the trained bands of London as part of a mobilization for the Second Anglo-Dutch War. Blimey! <laughs> exactly. Your history for the day. If you're in school and you have to go to history, college, or high school, just say you got all your history, got history from Pirates the of the day. Caribbean Minute and you don't need to attend class today. <laughs> that is a free pass. <laughs> but just a couple of tidbits for that. You know, I, I just really love the sound of all the footsteps that are in concert here when the, when the Marines are doing their, doing their procession there. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it just is really sounds neat. It's 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 kind of like going back and hearing kind of tap or when they're doing all of their stuff uh, in the military, or you see Marines in general doing, or even in all these kinds of military where they have these ornate kind of perceptions and movements and things that are all timed and in concert with each other is always pretty amazing and cool to watch. Glad to see they added some of that for this particular ceremony, but it's nice to see them in kind of the red coat era. If yeah, you know. yeah. And so also Norrington is being presented with his sword that was made by Will Turner and his master. Yes. It's there. So we finally get to see that sword make its home to Norrington. He does a rather nice exhibition of his skills with the sword too. It kind of does this flip and twirl. It goes around his back and then he kind of points it to the sky almost and looks down the blade. It's a pretty ornate movement, if you will, for something like this. It is. And unfortunately, it is in the background because... And the view of this at this moment is actually looking at Elizabeth sweltering in the sun. Oh, is that actually happening at that same time? Yeah. So he's actually in the background twirling his sword. So I don't know if you totally notice it at first unless you examine the minute. But this uh, twirling of the sword actually took him quite a while to learn how to do to to perfect it, I guess. Yeah. So it, it took a little while. And unfortunately, it's in the background of Elizabeth. She's front and center. I have in my notes, there's also this scene where Elizabeth has like this rather artistic 
kind of storytelling shot of the sun beating down on yeah. her, you know, and so as she's trying to cool herself with a fan. There is something up, I should say, or the producers, the director, they're really up to setting us up for something to come as this is kind of now the second time we really have a focus on how hot it is and how the yeah. heat is treating Elizabeth or how mean the sun is to her. So the pictures, or moving pictures, I should say, say a thousand words here. Yep. And there's something to come. The heat has something to do with the plot, and we haven't been exposed to that yet. Not like we're being exposed to the sun, or at least she's being exposed to the sun. Yeah, you. they really focus on that sun, and it beating down on her shows you how hot it really is. Yeah, but they got a pretty good camera angle. The cameraman had a nice shot there with the sun. Yes. Kind of the focus of the sun, and then he kind of focused out so you could see Elizabeth, and I thought that was pretty nice. It has a good effect on that to really show you how hot that thing can get. Yeah. If anybody's ever felt the sun out there, it's pretty hot. <laughs> That's the science of the day. But... You know, if I was Elizabeth, I think it'd be a smart bet. She could have asked Will to come there and just fan her. Oh, he probably would have done it. Or she could have actually asked, since we already know that Norrington fancies her, according to Governor Swan, that as a Commodore now, he could have really instructed all the Marines here to use fans in the procession as opposed to the muskets. And that might have made actually this whole thing a bit more comfortable for everybody because everybody looked pretty miserable and irritated that was at least we're in the crowd. Yeah, they did. They were, well, it was also this big old huge stone area and no, nothing green to cool anything off. And the sun's just beating down on in there. So well, I don't think you really, I mean, yeah, there there is no real shade there. But I don't think you really want a lot of trees or greenery in your fort, especially if you're <laughs> potentially trying to defend. They're like, you know, you're trying to run to the walls to defend it, and you you got trees in the way, and that that would just make a bad thing. Especially they're lobbing bombs over that are causing fires. They're like, dang, who put the tree here? The trees are on fire Good in the point. middle of our fort. You know. <laughs> Good point. Maybe some grass. Do, you know, they could have had some grass. But, grass cools it off. I mean, this isn't Honey, I Shrunk Elizabeth Swan here. <laughs> so it's not like she's getting shaded by grass. <laughs> well, it cooled the ground off a little. Well, that's true because it wouldn't be reflecting up. It would right. absorb that. So it would at least make it a bit cooler. So, I mean, at least we could have had some fan action. Now, I've seen some other movies. And I'm particularly thinking about these old Egyptian movies or, you know, things where we're centered on... Egypt and and there's a lot of people with fans all the time. Now that we've progressed into the 1700s, that we could have taken some of those niceties of having people waving fans. Yeah, that could have really worked well in this situation. Instead of you waving your little tiny one just on your face. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. really do any good, especially no. out there. Unless you're going to start shedding some of those clothes. Oh yeah, there's nothing you can do to cool yourself off from that. Because I'd had to imagine being in the, all those clothes and that. Um, corset would be extremely hot yeah trust me it, it is because I, I oh yeah you wear corset every day that <laughs> it is can get warm in that but i was actually thinking how hot it is just in the rare occasion that i was or when i was working and i had to wear a suit at when i was doing the sales stuff and man it could get really hot in that i know if i had to walk across campus to the lab or something i was meeting a, a scientist or a biologist to to show them some of the products and i was going across like uc davis and it was in the middle of summer by the time i got from parking lot to that room i was completely dying but i also get hot really easy and so i was just sweating like a nightmare and none of these people seem to be that hot so that's good but 
I, I tell you, even if I was an extra in this, I'd be dying. They're like, you got to get out of here. There's no way you it. can. There's no way. You look like you're dying. If we have a part where we need somebody to look sick, that would be for you. That's awesome. Yeah. So that that's kind of what I had on the fort and, and seeing that. Because I think the real big thing here is Mr. Smith goes to the dock. As we were talking about before. Mr. You know, Smith goes to London. <laughs> Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Washington. Oh, my God. Like a famous Jimmy Stewart movie. And she just fumbled that. We'll see if I edit that oh, out just to, to help her out or not. Isn't so, there a book or something? London? We'll have to have like that. I don't know. A radio edit goes over that. So, so no one hears exactly <laughs> what you just said. But... As we were talking about yesterday, Mr. Smith tries to slip by a couple of guards on the dock. We see him attempt to circumvent the rules yet again here in this situation, but this time there's really no money changing hands as he did with the harbor master, or at least we don't know of yet anyways. But he uses a term, or I use a term for this situation, what I like to call or have on the show before called verbal jujitsu. And essentially he tries to wordsmith his way past these two marines, but they don't seem to bite in this situation. So again, we're seeing this character development with him and this history, or he's already set a precedent. This is what he's going to do and, and how he, he operates in these situations. He's not going to let anybody tell him what to do or not to do, and he's always going to try and find his way through. He has something he needs to do, and he's going to try and make it happen. He seems to be able to talk his way or kind of get you to think another way to get what he wants out of the situation. Exactly. So yeah. he's, it's kind of like buying, he's going to try and buy his way out of the yeah. situation no matter what. Whether he's using money or not, right. he's going to try to do something. Again, he's trying to use his verbal jujitsu to, to get past these two guys, <laughs> which I think he's already assumed are maybe not quite the brightest guys in the shed here, the sharpest tools in the Aww. shed here. At least that's what he's thinking, I, I imagine. <laughs> These two guys, these two Marines, their names are Murtog and Mulroy. Okay, gotcha. Okay, and the actors, Murtog is Guile New. Guile's New, I'm sorry. And Mulroy is Angus Barnett. Okay? Gotcha. And so these two guys, they met on set, and they became the best of Fringe, which only helped their on-screen... Chemistry? Chemistry, yes. And, um... I could see that because they look like they really actually get along really yeah. well with each other. or have the, They do have this great chemistry that's coming up, yeah. Because they're kind of bouncing around and they're talking They work to really well together. Yeah, they do. These two would like you to think that they, they are the best guards of the Royal Marines. <laughs> but come to find out, they're a little embarrassing for Royal Marines. <laughs> well, we don't know that yet. We do see oh, that they were... yes. We do see... So, they're yeah, you just goof, are spoiling yeah. things here, but... We do see that they are kind of lounging about on the job, yes. at least, and sitting under the dock. But, mind you, the heat, the heat, my God, the heat, to quote Seinfeld, <laughs> or Elaine from Seinfeld, and they are under there, you know, getting protection from the heat, and then they he strolls by. He tries to sneak by again. This is all part of his, I'm just going to slip by. But it doesn't work. I mean, he's got so much jewelry everywhere that it just doesn't seem to... I do notice that he does jingle. That's right. That's what he, I was he jingles say. a bit. Yeah, so he he's not really set up for for just sneaking. No, by. he I don't think he's very quiet at at the sneaking by thing. No, he's got jewelry on. He's got things hanging all over him. I just don't think he's a very quiet pirate. Angus Barnett has also had some other high seas adventures besides the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. He played a wounded soldier in the miniseries Shackleton, to the TV series Crusoe, to a drunken sailor in St. Trinian's 2, The Legend of Fritton's Gold. 
I know everyone has that one in their DVD library, so you should break <laughs> it out now that we're talking about it. And after this, we will have the minute-by-minute minute breakdown of St. Trinian's too. I know everybody's <laughs> expecting that, so just hold on. We'll get to it. Don't go anywhere. But in, in speaking of St. Trinian's too, actually... Her very own Giles New that Heather was just talking about also played a drunken pirate in that movie. So it appears these two are really destined to be the next comedy duo for the swashbuckler genre. <laughs> They're going to be the next Abbott and Costello of pirate movies and high seas adventures is, is my guess. So look for them. And then when you see them in your St. Trinian's 2 movie collection, you'll know. They started off here at Pirates of the Caribbean. And you've heard them here first on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Now, Giles New has never, had never been in a film before Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So this was his first, his first, first movie. A, yeah. That's a hell of a first debut, though, is to, yeah. to get into a movie. And this is your first one as Pirates of the Caribbean. And then you just basically get a, you know, because a character is popular and it goes through to the other films. Yeah. And he's actually even coming, the both of them are going to be in the new one, Dead Men Tell No Tales, coming oh, out cool. in 2017 yeah. here. So, yeah. And, Quite a score for them. Yep. So when he first got there and started filming, he was a little nervous and a, a little confused. He wasn't, you know, because he's never done movies before. So it was a little confusing well, to him. I can see that. Yeah. So that was a little bit of interesting it's information an, on him. If you haven't ever been in, in that situation or been on film before, it is definitely a whole different world that maybe you're not used to. So if you're just coming into something and you're being on a big set, I can see how that would definitely be a shock and a surprise. There's a lot of yeah. stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And these are some huge sets. So, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Because I, you know, when I was doing some burrowing out conservation work and I was doing those documentary uh, shoots for, uh, that was out in Nevada and stuff, there was, you know, people bringing out the paraphernalia to set up the scene. There was things for lighting and tracks for cameras. And I thought, wow, this is way more complicated than I ever imagined. <laughs> and it was just a small, a small set. So I can't even, I can't even imagine what it's like to really see a big picture like this going on. So it must've yeah. been a pretty cool experience. Yeah. I would think or they so. threatened him like, Hey, if you don't get this, you're going to be out there in that rowboat rowing all day long. So you better get this scene. And nail it. <laughs> so that was pretty much incentive enough for him to say, I don't want to be out in the sun all day. Yep. Do you have anything else on Giles and Angus there? Nope, that's all I have on them. Well, I think it's time that we kick things over to Captain Jack Sparrow for our newly minted Recurring Friday segment, Really Bad Egg. For those of you who haven't heard last week's or last Friday's episode, it's a brief discussion of our favorite lines from the movie over the last week. So we'll let Captain Jack introduce it and then we'll get into it. And really bad eggs. So since I let you go first last time, I'll step up and say my favorite line from the last five minutes. And that was spoken by Captain Jack Sparrow, or Mr. Smith, as we like to call him so far. He says, what do you say to three shillings and we forget the name? Now, obviously, I did that line justice compared to Johnny Depp <laughs> from minute 11. But I, something about this quote and. You know, there wasn't a lot of talking. We didn't have a lot of no, real not. great options from it. But then when I started to think about it in review as I was looking for my, what is my really bad egg segment line going to be? I thought this quote tells me a lot about his character and his personality. And some of the stuff we started to talk about, or we did talk about earlier in this minute, he knows how to navigate the world. You know, he doesn't want to draw any unnecessary attention to himself or reveal his name. Perhaps his reputation precedes him, so to speak, as a pirate. He doesn't want that to get out. But... 
it is a little ironic given his appearance, his mannerisms, the way he arrived at Port Royal, drawing attention to himself. You know, his boat is sunk and he's yeah. on the mast and in sails underwater. So he, he just drips of this drawing attention right? as a person. But at the same time, he wants to just slip by. He's trying to slip by the harbor master. He's trying to slip by the guards. Yeah, it's just this whole persona. It's this weird thing that, you know, it's like this. a lot of this irony and symbolism all wrapped into this character. It's the proverbial, I don't want you to notice me. But if you don't notice me, I'll be offended. Yeah, he's way more colorful than anybody else on that dock. Exactly. So I, I think that quote really just sums it up that he's doing something that's a little bit that's going to get him attention to so he doesn't get attention. Right. So I think it's, it'll have a lot of play as we move into to the movie and see his character develop even more and we really get to know him as yep. hopefully somebody other than Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith. <laughs> that reminds me of the... Um... Mr. Smith goes to no, Niagara no, no, Falls no, no, no. or whatever you said. <laughs> no, The Matrix, my most favorite movie. Oh, I think we've mentioned The Matrix yeah. before as your favorite movie. Yeah. She doesn't but really Mr. like The Matrix. Mr. Smith but... reminds me. That's exactly it. I was waiting... Mr. Smith, I'm waiting for the guy in a suit with black sunglasses But see, on. I think it, it did justice because you now remember Mr. Smith. So that's how I don't much want you to paid remember attention Mr. to the Smith. Matrix. So as much as you say you don't like it, you obviously like it. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> so my bad eggs quote for the week is the Twitter-pated section. Oh, I knew that was going <laughs> to happen. So my favorite quote is, Will! I had a dream about you last night. And I think this is my favorite quote because, for one thing, she's so excited about seeing Will. And she wants to tell him about his dream. But then you have the governor standing next to her. He's like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to talk about dreams. This is this is inappropriate. Yeah, I just watched that minute again. And the look, if you really watch the look on his face, it's almost like he didn't know that that's what she was going to say. Yeah. That's how well he acts that scene. Yeah. It's this really look of shock and surprise. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> Shut up. You're not supposed to say that. He's probably thinking too, what does she mean by dream? Because he immediately, and I don't know, maybe in the 1700s, <laughs> your mind doesn't immediately go to something like that or to the, you know. To where our minds say, go these yeah, days. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To, to where everybody's mind seems to go these days. Maybe there's a, something a bit more prim and proper. Like, oh my God, you just told him you dreamed about showing him your wrist or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, he gets this really horrified look like, oh my God, I can't believe you said, said that. That's just so improper. Yeah. An aristocrat would never say that. <laughs> And she's just got the biggest smile on her face at this point in time. It's just so cute. And you know, you could just feel how much she really likes Will. I think that's also a good quote to show the the character development for her or who her character is. Like the one that I said for Johnny Depp. This one also shows about her that she is not constrained by the class. As we've talked you know, yeah. a lot about she's not constrained by what the class or the aristocracy or aristocrats or high society is the rules are for her right she doesn't she doesn't think that she's in that or the rules don't apply to her and doesn't want to do that yeah it's different for her exactly so if anybody else out there you know if you have your favorite line from within the first as we are now 12 minutes feel free to you know shoot us an email at podcast at blackpearlminute.com or get on twitter or facebook and and share share with us your favorite line from within the first 
12 minutes. We'll be happy to include that yes. in our next episode. And if we have any, you know, if anybody wants to do that, we're happy to share those and, and add those to our really bad egg segment of, of your line and the reason why. And give us your name and we'll give you a shout out for that to the show so people can hear what you have to say about it. On that note, and after a shot of rum, we'll be back on Monday with Minute 13 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Keep a weather eye out, matey. Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. And visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter for additional content and post-episode discussions.